You're tuned into Two Shades of Blue, a Carolina Blitz podcast featuring Royal and Terrence, two brothers from another mother who rep rival teams eight miles down Tobacco Road. Each week, Royal and Terrence will give their real and unbiased take on all Carolina sports and entertainment. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to the Two Shades of Blue podcast. My name is Royal Howell, my co-host Terrence Hatchett. And this week, this episode will be mainly on the breaking news that came out of Chapel Hill yesterday with the Hall of Famer and arguably one of the best coaches in college basketball in Carolina history um, behind Dean Smith, Roy Williams, uh, alumni, announced his retirement uh, at the University of Chapel Hill after 18 years with the program, um, 33 years overall coaching, um, starting off at Kansas, um, a disciple of Dean Smith. Um, Terrence, let me get your thoughts on the breaking news out of Chapel Hill yesterday with Roy Williams um, leaving the program. What are your thoughts? Um, at first, I thought it was like a April Fool's joke. Um, you know, yesterday be April April first. You know, but um, some very credible people um, were reporting it, and then you know they announced that they were having a formal press conference. And when I saw that they were having the formal press conference, I knew that it was going to be a real thing. And um, you know. A lot of people came out, congratulated Roy on a great career. Coach K, uh, John Calipari, Rick Pitino, of course, former players, even guys that never even played for Roy Williams, um, show support and congratulated him in retirement yesterday. And watching him at the press conference, it seemed kind of sad because I, he didn't look like he didn't want to stop coaching, but I guess he got to a point where he just felt like maybe – his time with um, especially, you know, with a newer generation and, you know, the last couple of years just kind of really wore on him more than what we knew. Um, plus, you know, Roy's like 70 years old and um, I maybe given him maybe like another three to five years. I thought he would try to maybe make another run at a national title, but I guess with um, everything going on, not only at Carolina, but in college basketball with the, uh, the transfer rules. He mentioned that yesterday and the um, some other things going on in college basketball. I guess he felt like uh, his time, it was the right time to go. Um, you know, 903 wins, three national championships, a lot of uh, final four appearances. He had five at UNC and more at Kansas. Um, I mean, it's a hell of a career. He's coaching, coached 33 years and he led two of the, most prestigious uh, basketball powerhouses in college basketball, Kansas and uh, North Carolina. I mean, you can put those two as the two of the four Mount Rushmore programs in, in the sport. So it was very, uh, it's very sad watching the press conference yesterday, but where does this leave Carolina? Uh, I mean, Carolina has a lot of options. I mean, it's one of the premier coaching jobs in the country. Uh, I think this actually might be a good time to make a change with Carolina just because you heard just rumblings that the system that Roy ran was out of date with the, you know, the modern game. And you heard rumblings that maybe he doesn't relate or connect um, with the younger generation, whether you believe it's true or not. That's just what people were saying. Um, Even he said during his press conference yesterday um, in regards to um, the transport portal and the one and done error where he alluded to, um, you know, just 
players having the right to leave this season. Um, he did kind of confirm it yesterday during the speech that, hey, you know, um, this day and age is totally different from when he um, started to coach. And it's kind of crazy to think that, you know, the players usually are the ones that adapt to the coaches game, not the coaches adapting to the players game. And if you think about it in 20 hindsight, um, with the transfer portal players being able to transfer this year, basically get a free year of playing eligibility uh, from the NCAA due to COVID uh, protocol. Um, these players are leaving left and right. Um, there's over, I think last time I checked, almost a thousand players in the transfer portal, which is crazy. Um, you know, who would have ever thought that um, you would hear that come out of Roy Williams' mouth where he's just like, you know, and even like you said, during a press conference, just reading his body language, um, even the last game, I think senior night against Duke where he kissed the floor. Um, it was like little blueprints that kind of led to, hey, this could potentially happen. Um, I'll be the first to say I didn't see this happening um, yesterday. Uh, when I first saw the news, I just like, hey, this is definitely an April Fool's joke. And um, the Carolina program is all in it. You know, he'll come out at four o'clock and April Fool's. But um, I guess I was a fool to think that uh, <laughs> it was like, will just be a joke because this was like the real deal. He really came out and said, hey, I'm done. And like you said, just to watch his body language, just to see him speak um, to the media, to his family, to his former players, to his current players, just to see him allude to, hey, I'm just, I'm done. Like, he just looks like a guy that was just done with this day and age of college basketball. And to find somebody to replace him, I think that that's the million dollar question. What we wrote on Carolina Bliss yesterday is who's going to replace Coach, um, Coach Williams on um, T? Um, give me your thoughts on that, man. Oof. I mean, I've seen probably like 10, 12, 15 names from everywhere from Mark Few, which I think Mark Few is in a great situation in Gonzaga. He's comfortable there. Um, I don't think Mark Few would leave that situation. Gonzaga is a modern-day powerhouse. Um, seen Jay Wright, but I think Jay Wright's comfortable at Villanova. Um Bill Self has got a lifetime contract with Kansas. Um, seen Scott Drew, same thing as uh, Mark Few. I mean, Scott Drew's built a hell of a program at Baylor. I don't think he would want to leave, um, especially Baylor, you know, being in the Final Four. And Baylor was a national title contender last year. I think he's in a good spot. Um, I've seen the coach at Loyola, uh, Chicago. Excuse me for not remembering his name off the top of my head. But – I've also seen Brad Stevens, which is interesting because I didn't know this, but apparently Brad Stevens took some graduate courses or a guy has graduate de- a grad school degree from Chapel Hill. Um, I didn't know that little nugget, but hot, hot topic. Okay, I see you, T. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Brad Stevens is a guy in the NBA that Boston struggling. He did very well his first few years, um, but. You know, last year in the bubble, he got out coached by Spolster. It was the first time in his NBA career where people are really questioning Brad Stevens on the NBA ranks. We know what he did in college, and then with Boston struggling this year. I mean, that's a name. If Carolina's going to go outside of the family, um, that's a name you can see mentioned. Um, another name that's been mentioned that's kind of out of the box, but kind of makes sense. Uh, Coach Lavelle Moton, uh, who you pointed out in your article, uh, Roy, uh, yesterday. And Stephen A. Smith mentioned it, and some other people in the basketball room mentioned it. Lavelle Moulton's right there in uh, Durham. He literally had to move, what, eight, ten miles ago down to Chapel Hill. He knows the area. He has a great relationship with John Wall, and pretty much any Hooper in the state of North Carolina knows Coach Moulton and has a relationship with Coach Moulton, and even guys in the NBA have a relationship with Coach Moulton. So that's an out-of-the-box candidate. Um, 
I think Moulton is a sleeper pick. Like I said in the article, I think that if the time has ever been presented for Moulton to leave Central, I think the time is now. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think I read there was nine players from his program this year that are entering their name into the transfer portal out of 14 from the roster. So that's nine players gone. Um, he's won, I think his, you know, I think he's what, four-time coach of the year in the MEAC yeah, conference. Yeah. Um, he's been to the NCAA tournament several times, um, including, I think, 2012, I think, or maybe 14. It was a second-round appearance. Um, I think if the time has ever been presented to him right now would be at least give him an interview. Um, I thought that he should have been at least interviewed for the Wake Forest job. NC State. Um, NC State job before they hired Keats. Um, and I'll throw another name at you that nobody has mentioned, and I think that it would set the college basketball world on fire. It's probably not going to happen. He probably won't even get a phone call. But as Bu- um, Bubba mentioned yesterday, um, he said, and and, I, and, I, and I'll point this out too. I'm reading in between the lines. If you listen to what Bubba said yesterday, he said that he doesn't mind looking at an assistant coach that's on the staff. But he wants a head coach. But he wants a head coach. And when he said that, he made it distinct that, hey, I'm looking for a head coach. Somebody's already coaching. Somebody's already established somebody that brings that repertoire, that arsenal to UNC, somebody that has that star power, firepower, blockbuster hit. If I had to call one guy, I would maybe give John Calipari from Kentucky a phone call, and I'll tell you why. He's a disciple of Larry Brown. When Larry Brown was at Kansas, Calipari was at Kansas. He's a disciple of Larry Brown. Larry Brown's a disciple of Dean Smith. That's a Carolina family. That's within the coaching tree. Could you imagine John Calipari at UNC Chapel Hill, eight miles down the block from Duke and Mike Krzyzewski? Could you imagine that? Calipari at UNC. You thought it was something when he went to Kentucky from Memphis. John Calipari at UNC with the five-star recruits, McDonald's All-Americans. He's won his title at Kentucky. Bringing all that back to UNC. You know, when Dean Smith left, he brought Dean, he brought Roy Williams in, and that was, you know, star power. It made, you know, shockwaves all throughout college basketball, ESPN, you name it. But imagine Roy Williams bringing Calipari in. Of course, Roy Williams is going to have probably the final say-so and referral and getting another coach in um, that's going to retrieve him and take over coaching duties. But imagine Calipari in Chapel Hill. It would be unbelievable, man. That, that's like, definitely out of the box. But, I mean, you know, Kentucky. he's been at Kentucky for 11 years now. And, you know, Kentucky didn't make the tournament. We know how crazy of a fan base uh, Kentucky is. Um, if that ever – if that did happen, I could just imagine the vitriol and hate that would come from Kentucky yeah. fans toward us. I mean, we already don't like Kentucky anyway. My, You know – Kentucky is one of those teams that is not in the ACC, but I consider them a rival. I don't know how you feel as a Duke fan, but me as a Carolina fan, we used to play Kentucky every year for a long yeah. period of time. We played Kentucky every year, and that was like one of the marquee non-conference games. You, you always schedule, especially when John Calipari went to Kentucky. I mean, that is up the ante. And um, How many know. years has Roy Williams at UNC faced Kansas either in the tournament or a – um, but you know, like a preseason tournament, it's been several times. So, imagine faced Kansas Calipari- three times, and both all of them were in the tournament. Um, I thought so. So, imagine Calipari at UNC because UNC plays Kentucky almost yearly now. 
doing one of the like Vegas tournaments or like a tournament like in ten, it, it, it pretty happens. It happens pretty frequently. So imagine yeah. Calipari at UNC. UNC already plays Kentucky several times almost every other year. Um, I think that'd be very intriguing, and nobody's even talking about it. But you know, I think outside the box, I think it'll be a great hire. I think it'll be a very slick hire to get him to at least listen to coming to UNC. I think he would yeah. maybe consider it, but I mean, he's in one, arguably one of the best coaching jobs in America besides, you know, you mentioned the Blue Bloods, Kansas, Duke, um, Kentucky, North Carolina. Those are the um, dominant powerhouses in college basketball. So at yeah. least give it a listen and see what happens, man. Yeah, man. And then, you know, the, within the Carolina family, um, we, we know who they've been talking about. It's Jerry Stackhouse. My only thing about Jerry Stackhouse is, is that his record at Vanderbilt is not that great. I mean, Vanderbilt's not a, a powerhouse. They had a couple good years in, in the SEC, but mm-hmm. Vanderbilt isn't a basketball school. Jerry did very well in the G League. Uh, I'm not questioning him as a coach. The one thing is, if you brought in Jerry Stackhouse, I know some people will question just because his record at Vanderbilt, but he did very well in the G League. Um, and we know Stackhouse is from North Carolina. He knows the area. His name holds weight in the area, especially in that Kinston area where Carolina gets a lot of recruits and even Duke got Brandon Ingram a few years ago. That Kinston area produces a lot of um, hoopers, man, that 252 area. So Jerry Stackhouse, um, Steve Robinson, who's his lead assistant, obviously should get consideration. Um, Hubert Davis and um, the guy that a lot of people think is going to get the job, in my opinion, is Wes Miller. Um, Give me your thoughts on Wes Miller, the UNCG uh, head coach who's made multiple um, NCAA appearances, uh, several 20-win seasons, uh, coach back-to-back player of the year, Isaiah Miller, who's going to be probably a potential um, NBA uh, first-round pick for sure. Um, He's definitely a sleeper. He reminds me a lot of uh, C.J. McCollum at Lehigh a little bit. He's looking more athletic than C.J. Um, He's totally more athletic than C.J., but – he is definitely a sleeper, I think, in this upcoming NBA draft. Give me your thoughts on Wes Miller and what do you think um, – how will he do at UNC? Do you think he'll be able to recruit against the Coach K's, Tony Bennett's? Uh, do you think he'll be able to force his hand in a UNC program, get players to believe in the system, believe in him, and believe that he can take over after Roy Williams? So give me your thoughts, Steve. Uh, I mean, you know, Wes Miller, when he took over the UNCG job, UNCG was struggling – I mean, I know you went to UNCG, and I had a lot of friends that went to UNCG. A lot of people just used to go to UNCG games just for the cheap food or the whatever you had to do to get people to go. They weren't going just to watch the team. You know, he he went in there and, you know, pretty much rebuilt that program to being a powerhouse in the SOCON. I mean, they made the tournament the last several years. I remember one year they almost beat Gonzaga in the first round, and um, they've been successful um, so I have no doubt if Wes Miller was the guy that he could come in, he can connect to the players. I mean, he was a UNC Tar Heel from 05 to 07. Um, he knows the ins and outs of the program. And I think to be a coach at Carolina, you have to be more of a CEO than the, um, you have to be a CEO, basically. Like, you have to coach, but you also have to manage the program. You got to deal with the boosters. You got to go to all these functions and talk to the boosters and fans and be a face of the school. That's why uh, I think the AD of uh, Chapel Hill said that he wants a head coach. Because when you're a head coach at a Duke, a UNC, Kentucky, a UCLA, Kansas, or some of these new bloods now, like Gonzaga and Baylor, um, you have to not only manage your program, but you have to manage all the stuff that comes 
with being the face because in college basketball, traditionally the the coach is the face of the team, not the players. This isn't the NBA where the players are the face of everything. College basketball is about the coaches. Um, so you have to manage a, a lot as the head coach, which is why I think the AD said that you got to deal with the boosters. You got to go to community events. You got to be on the road recruiting. You got to sell the program. You got to have basketball camps. Um, you got to – Davis- does Davis bring that flashiness to UNC? Like if you like when you hear UNC and you hear Duke and you hear Kansas, Kentucky, you hear of Self and Calipari and Royal Williams, Dean Smith, Coach K. When you look at Royal Williams leaving and Hubert Davis potentially taking over, that's like a big name that you keep hearing. But then the AD comes on and says, hey, you know, he wants a head coach that's currently coaching, per se. If Hubert Davis was to get the job, how would – that impact the recruiting for UNC? Um, how does that impact, you know, just the scheme, the system, players believing and buying in? Is it too much? Do you think Davis would be too much like Roy Williams being his assistant for, what, nine years, I believe? Do you think it's too much similarity between him and Roy Williams of running the same type of system and personnel, per se? Or do you think players would, you know, because Cunningham said he's reaching out to former players also, getting their input on the next head coach. Do you think Davis being the next UNC head coach would affect that in some type of way? I think Hubert Davis, honestly, is the safe hire. You know, he played at UNC. He's not young, but he's not old either. He's kind of in the middle. Um, You know, he is a Roy Williams disciple. I feel like he would come in and and run things just as Roy would, which is fine, but if you think about – some of the issues that Carolina's had, we need to do some things just a little bit different, maybe schematically, you know, for our schemes. And I I just think Hubert Davis is a safe hire. I'll say this. If you bring Hubert Davis as your head coach, I would like to see some other former players that had played in the mid-2000s or late-90s be on his staff, maybe as his lead recruiters. Um. Uh, I'm in this uh, UNC group chat. I know a lot of people in the group chat think Shaman Williams should be mm-hmm. a guy that could be an assistant or even as a recruiter. Um, David Noel is another guy that's been mentioned as a guy that um, could be like a recruiter and assistant. Rasheed Wallace is a high school coach in Durham. I mean, you know, these guys not only um, are they great basketball minds, but they their name holds weight. I mean, you watch Carolina in the 90s, Shaman Williams was n- – one of the nicest point guards we've had recently. Like he was a problem um, when he was at UNC. I mean, David Noel is a NC high school legend, not only in basketball, but football. I mean, David Noel could easily play football at Carolina if he wanted to and probably been in the NFL. He was that type of athlete. And then um, Rasheed Wallace, I mean, the name speaks for itself. So I just think Hubert Davis is a safe hire. I don't know if that's necessarily the, best hire but it's the safe hire I think he would do a good job but I think he could make just a couple of minor tweaks or maybe hire some new blood on the assistant coaching staff I mean you already because you got Kendall on there but maybe add some more youth on the assistant coaching staff so you have a guy that um the players can relate to I mean Roy um, when we coach you know um when my dad was the head coach and we were the assistants we were kind of like the new blood like the guys could connect with I mean could we could kind of relate to what they were going through versus you know 
Coach Johnson or some of the other guys within the program at uh, GDS where they're a little bit older. You know, I think that's why uh, our teams did a good job when we did coach out there because you and I could relate to guys because, you know, you can connect with people, but when you relate to somebody, it's a whole different level of connection. And I just don't know if the former coaching staff um, – related to the players very well. Like who was the guy that the players could go to to be the good cop to the coach's bad cop or just to talk to them about stuff that they're going through that these guys are going through uh, recently, especially with the team that we had this year. I mean, with it being a COVID quarantine bubble type of situation where guys are practicing and going back to the hotel mm-hmm. or going to the weight room and going to the hotel Having that guy on the coaching staff that could players could lean on. I mean, I'm pretty sure that it wasn't the most pleasant experience for those guys to be in the bubble. Even even the Duke guys, I, you know, Coach K mentioned that they were in the bubble. They when they came to AC tournament, they drove down, they went right back to the hotel. So I'm um, having that guy on the coaching staff that can kind of relate to the player, especially with during these times with um, everything going on in the world. I think it's very important. So that's uh, a good I, point too. Um, that you mentioned a player that, um, you know, a former player that's also an assistant coach that can relate to players. I know specifically Nolan Smith for Duke uh, during the Zion uh, campaign with R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish. Um, they were going to the Ritz <laughs> uh, downtown Raleigh to watch concerts. And they were going to um, the amphitheater here in Raleigh to go see Future. Just, you know, just relating to the players, like you say, culturally and, you know, music-wise – um, going out, you know, just, you know, being social, going to the mall, going shopping, going, you know, going to hoop outside, you know, going to get something to eat, whatever the case may be, you relating to those players, even when it comes to listening to music and certain things, um, you know, relating to those players, hitting home and showing them that, hey, I've been there, done that, I'm here with you, even though coach may be old as you know what, but I'm still relating to you to connect with coach through you, so that's definitely – it's a great point. I think uh, Vince Carter would be a good name I would like to see maybe. You oh, know, yeah. You know, just relating to the players, man. The players grew up watching these, you know, goats at UNC. So, to relate to them and potentially have them on the coaching staff, I think that would be pivotal and monumental just to get them at UNC. That's, yeah. that's a great idea. I know another guy um, – I don't know if he wants to get into coaching, but I actually listened to him when he was on a broadcast um, – and he he knows the game very well. And, he, you know, he probably would stay in broadcasting. But Tyler Hansborough, I don't know if you heard him uh, when he was on the broadcast, but, I mean, Hansborough knows the game. And he can articulate the game in, in a way where if you're a coach, you can, you know, get your point across. I mean, he's an, he's another guy that you could consider if he wants to do it. Now, I don't know if he wants to do it. I'm just saying that he's a guy that, you know, his name holds weight. He is young. He did play in the NBA for a couple of years. Um he could be a guy that, you know, could be that guy on the coaching staff. Um, I know Kendall. You know, I know Kendall's on the coaching staff, but I, I don't know if Kendall's the Kendall. I don't know if he's like outspoken. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like Nolan's outspoken. Like for the dude, I feel like Nolan's outspoken, and he would like Kendall. I, I'm not sure what his role is on the coaching staff to be honest with you, but he's also a guy that I think could step up and be a guy that the players could relate to. Um, Nolan is known to, you know, especially out in Durham, he's, you know, at the Durham baseball games, uh, Durham Bull baseball games. uh, He has initiatives uh, at the uh, Emily K Center. Um, 
he also, you know, is one of the main coaches that takes the players out, like when they go to the concerts at the amphitheater, the Ritz. Um, also, uh, the Dankery, which is a food spot downtown Durham that sells really, really good wings, uh, tenders, uh, any types of, like, grilled food. Uh, he's out there all the time. He's putting stuff on Instagram. Um, he's, you know, doing, like like I said, little initiatives around the city. Uh, he's he's out there. So he's making his name known. He's making the Duke brand known. And Like you said, like when you see Kendall Marsh, you see him on the bench. But like you said, I don't really know his role. I think he's helping the point guards, but I'm not really sure. You don't really hear that much. Um, yeah. In the program. Per yeah, that could be a, that could be another guy that could maybe assert himself and you know take on more responsibility. Uh, I know Sean May's on the coaching staff too. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of ways this thing can go. Um, you know, one good thing about Carolina is you have a lot of options. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see what happens. I'm pretty sure they're going to want to hire a coach soon. Um, a guy can come in and hold on to the recruits that you know are coming in, also hit the transfer portal and build a team. Um, so I feel like this is going to – something's going to happen within the next few weeks for sure. Um, definitely. Absolutely. That leads us right into the next subject and final subject today. It's going to be the final four, which is coming up, man. Um, <laughs> it's kind of hard to say, but I really don't want to see it. But I just can't see nobody right now beating Gonzaga. Gonzaga has looked – top tiers above anybody. I think the only teams that would even give them a fight, I think Baylor can definitely give them a championship run, and I thought Michigan could give them a battle. But um, as you see, they have Gonzaga as a 14-point favorite versus UCLA on Saturday. Uh, and also the next matchup, Baylor and Houston. I think that Baylor-Houston game is going to be a dogfight yeah. um, just because Houston can get physical right along with Baylor. And I think Houston may have a little bit more firepower on offense. Um, but Baylor, Baylor's defense is something serious. Um, yeah. And that's no underestimate to Gonzaga on the defense end. But Baylor's defense, man, not only do they make you initiate your offense outside the three-point line – it's hard to even getting to the passing lanes. Like, and they have athletes on every level from the one to the five position. Um, they have depth. They can shoot the ball. They can rebound. They run in transition. They get back on defense. Like, those are some straight-up dogs, man. I think, you know, and I hate the earlier of the year matchup between the two got canceled due to COVID reasons within the Baylor program. But I'd say this, man, that will be a very intriguing matchup between Baylor and Gonzaga if that is to – um, happen as I think it will for the national championship game. Um, Terrence, give me your thoughts on the final four. Um, what are the keys for a UCLA potentially beating Gonzaga? And um, do you think Houston has any shot against Baylor? Huh, I think for UCLA, they have to possess the ball. They cannot get in a track meet with this team. They're going to have to grind it out like they did versus Michigan. Um you know, that game was a low-scoring game, um, barely got into the 50s. They're going to have to limit uh, Gonzaga's possessions, man, because we've seen when Gonzaga gets out of transition, Jalen Suggs is a problem. Um, Jalen Suggs is a top-five pick. Um, if you're a team in the NBA and he's a point guard, he's going to definitely get consideration. Um, Corey Kisper is a, another guy that could be a first-round pick. And then uh, Tim A um, went – right at the Mobley brothers and and pretty much dominated them. And, I mean, Evan Mobley is a top five pick. Um, and Tim A just pretty much was able to do whatever he wanted to do in the paint. And then Gonzaga, they're, they're just deep, man. And, you know, they were a favorite winner last year. And then you bring in a Jalen Suggs. I mean, 
yeah, man, like Gonzaga is a juggernaut, but UCLA, um, Hawkes, and oh gosh, excuse me for blanking on the other guy's name, I'm, but um, for UCLA, yeah, the, oh, Jazang from Kentucky, y- yeah, the transfer, yeah, yeah, there you go, sorry, <laughs> and good? um, it's been a long week, man, <laughs> very long week, <laughs> but yeah, I mean. And then uh, Cody Riley's going to have to, you know, be the man to paint. Um, I like Gonzaga. I mean, not Gonzaga. I like UCLA's point guard as well. It's a good story. I think UCLA is a team that kind of gelled together. It's a team moving forward. It's going to be interesting to see what Mick Cronin can do with that program, with them getting to the Final Four. But we know Gonzaga runs the West. Yeah. Um, they're a 14-point favorite. I see them winning by – I'm going to go slightly under. I'm going to say 10. It's going to be a comfortable 10, though. They're going to be up, and then UCLA will probably get some buckets, crunch time to make it, you know, respectable. But I just don't see them really matching up with Gonzaga. I'd be stunned if Gonzaga lost this game. Like, I'd be stunned. Um, As far as Baylor and Houston. They have too much firepower. Yeah, man. As far as Baylor and Houston, I think this is going to be, like you said, a dogfight. I think it's going to be a defensive-oriented game because Houston plays defense, too. They got Grimes. They got some other guys. Kelvin Sampson has done a great job at the Houston program and not only reviving his career, but reviving that program because um, if you don't know, the Houston was a powerhouse in the 80s. Faisalama Jamma, Clyde Drexler, Hakeem Olajuwon, they went to the national championship game, I think, twice in the 80s. Or they definitely made two Final Fours, and they you know, they lost to NC State in the championship game when Jim Valvano was running around. But, yeah, Houston um, has definitely been revived by Kelvin Sampson and – they're, you know, they're a defensive orienting. Baylor's a defensive orienting. I just think Baylor just has a couple more guys, I think, that can step up and make plays down the stretch. Um, Mitchell has definitely improved his draft stock. Absolutely. Um, if I was to ask you between Baylor and Houston, who do you think allows the less of the points between the two teams? Who would you say? I actually think Houston allows less points than Baylor per game, you know, throughout the season. Yeah. I actually think Houston right. does. But, um, points a game compared to Baylor's 60. I mean, and, you know, that could be to, you know, also who you're playing. I think Baylor's played probably – I mean, but Houston plays some decent teams too, but Baylor just playing in Big 12, playing against, you know, um, tougher competition. Yeah. Um, they didn't even play Gonzaga this year. But, I mean, you allow on 60 points to 55 points, man. I mean, like like we both said, we both think that it's going to be a dog fight. It may be one of those type of games where it's – 60 to 61, something like that. Um, I don't think nobody's going to get out in the track meet, nothing like that at all. But um, this game, I mean, it's that's going to be a bloodbath, one of those backyard Pittsburgh, West Virginia type games, man, where it's just, you know, hustle and flow. Like, that's, <laughs> that's all it is, man. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. So I'm going to give the slide edge to Baylor and then the matchup that, you know, we all wanted, we all want to see is Gonzaga's Baylor. Um, Ooh, I think Gonzaga is going to run the table. Yeah, I, I just don't see Gonzaga losing. I think Baylor is the one team that can really give them a game and really, really apply pressure to Gonzaga. But in the end, Gonzaga has too much. I think in, in that situation, I'm going to lean towards the better point guard. I just think that Suggs is just slightly better than Mitchell. Um, and I think he will be the difference maker versus Baylor. I think 
Baylor can slow Gonzaga down somewhat, but I don't know if it's going to be enough. Um, I just think Gonzaga has too much versatility and too many ways they can beat you. I think that Baylor can get a lead early, but I think at halftime, Mark Few will make adjustments and figure it out. And um, I think uh, Gonzaga's cutting down the nets and they're running the table. The first time since what um, Kentucky tried in what 2015 lost to Wisconsin, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. They're the. yeah, they were one of the few teams that have even made it to the Final Four undefeated recently. Um, this Gonzaga team, Kentucky, and UNLV. Yeah, the running Rebels. That was Those are the last two teams recently that, you know, came into the Final Four of the championship game undefeated. Um, so, I'm going with Gonzaga to cut down the nets. I just think they're just too, they're too versatile. Um, I agree with you, man. It's, you know, records are meant to be broken. Um, I would like to see Gonzaga get punched in the mouth. Um, they haven't really got punched in the mouth this year and see how they respond. Um, you know, Baylor can present that type of issue on the defensive end. Um, my main concern is being consistent on the offensive end, um, especially um, on the perimeter, um, making Gonzaga out in guard. Um, we know Baylor has the athletes on the interior. Like you said, Gonzaga has the big bodies on, in the middle, especially Timmy, who can stretch the floor, shoot threes, and dominate on the interior and the inside. Um, but Baylor has the athletes to guard that. Uh, my main concern is can Baylor get out from the jump and make a run on Gonzaga, make Gonzaga play from behind, which is something they haven't did um, throughout the entire NCAA tournament. I think they've trailed have – they, have they even trailed in the NCAA tournament at all? I don't think so. If they have, it hasn't been much. <laughs> it, it was like 32 seconds or something like that. But I don't think they've trailed throughout the entire NCAA tournament. I want to see them play from behind have that same type of attitude, tenacity, and energy playing from behind on a team that can match well with them position, position, uh, you know, every, you know, each position on the floor uh, can get physical with you, can get out and guard you, um, has guard play, um, has wings, um, have a, you know, have a nice guard and Davion Mitchell, um, a.k.a. they call him uh, <laughs> Mitchell from Utah, who they play just alike. Um, he's a guard that can get into the paint, shoot the three ball. And Jared Butler, who we know is a nice guard also, um, they have a lot of weapons on that team, but Gonzaga is just so much well balanced, man. Just and not just from their starting five, their they, their bench is just so dang on deep, man. They got guys that can shoot threes, get into the paint. Like you said, Jalen Suggs is a lottery pick, in my opinion. Um, he doesn't turn the ball over. He knows how to read the flow of the offense. He likes to get out in transition, and he can attack the rim. And he's athletic. Like you know, Jalen Suggs reminds me of who? Jason Kidd. Yeah. He, he gets the ball out, man. Yeah. He gets that rock out, man, especially off the rebound. You remember how Kendall Marsh used to get the ball off the rebound and get the ball at the floor for the primary break and secondary break for Carolina? He does the same exact thing, man, but he can shoot a lot better than Kendall Marshall, and he's a lot more athletic. Like, yeah. the guy is just – he's going to be a problem, man. I'll tell you that. Um, just Zag is just so well prepared and so balanced. It's just – it's really, really hard to watch them on film and say, hey, you can do this net, but to actually see them in person on the floor, like I think it might have been Dick Vitale mentioned the other day that these teams are scheming and, you know, planning for Gonzaga, but to actually see them on the floor, their defense is very underrated in my opinion, man. Like they really get out and guard you on yeah. every position on the floor. So, like you said, they're balanced. It's going to be tough to beat them. If you're going to beat them, I think Baylor does have a chance. Um, it's the championship game. You could get a little bit nervous, especially if you're playing from behind. That's the only way. If you let Gonzaga get about 10 points in the first half, you might as well forget it because they're so composed and 
poise and they have senior leadership and they have a coach and um, Mark Few who's looking for his national title, man. And I think he's well-deserved, well-due for one. So we'll see what happens Monday night, man. Yeah, man. Uh, real quick, shout out Don Staley in South Carolina. They're competing in the women's final four tonight. And uh, the UConn women were fortunate to beat Baylor uh, last week. It was a foul. I don't care what anybody says. She got fouled. She got hit on the elbow and she got hit on the wrist. I, you know, she well, one lady got ball, but she got hit on the elbow. But, you know, you, the UConn ladies, fortunate to advance. Um, you know, Don Staley, Charlotte legend um, on the play for the Charlotte Sting when the Charlotte Sting were here in Charlotte. She's done a hell of a job at South Carolina. Um, definitely rooting for her this weekend um, on the women's side. It's going to be very interesting because UConn, Stanford, strong. UConn, strong. South Carolina, strong. I mean, it's going to be a battle on the women's side as well. Um, I think the Gonzaga girls are in it too, right? I think it's Arizona. Arizona, okay. Arizona. Yeah. It's uh, South Carolina, UConn, Stanford, and um, – Arizona. And Stanford's no joke either. Uh, Russell Wilson's sister plays for um, Stanford, and she's a problem. <laughs> she's pretty. I hope, Staley, I hope Staley is able to bring it home because um, she's very outspoken, uh, but she's outspoken for a good purpose because she definitely believes, uh, you know, that women are um, underprivileged and they don't get the type of credit that they deserve. Uh, she definitely speaks out. Um, about uh, social awareness and, um, you know, social um, injustices, especially in the black communities. Um, she's very vocal, and I definitely respect that about her. Um, she got some criticism earlier this year um, about one of the losses they took, um, but she's very outspoken, and she speaks on um, subjects that need to um, be put under a higher and um, magnet, you know, higher microscope within, uh, within the media for sure, man. Yep. Really and one more nugget about the Women's Final Four. Um, we actually have – two um, black female head coaches coaching in the final four of uh, this weekend. I think it's the first time it's ever first happened. Time, yep. First time ever. So it's definitely good to see we talk about being, you know, relatable, you know, a lot of black you know, women play college basketball and to have two black women as coaches make it to the final four. I think it's a good thing for the sport um, being able to relate to the, you know, players and, you know, just being that voice for the uh, community and, understand the culture and um you know everything that comes with playing you know college basketball especially when you're a minority um it's good to see um two black women lead um their teams to the final four um so the women's final four uh, tonight should be some good games and the men tomorrow then the women's championship on sunday and then the men on monday uh, a lot of hoops um you know the nba is getting ready for this stretch run so it's definitely a good time to be a hooper for sure Let's see what happens, man. Ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up the Two Shades of Blue podcast this week. Uh, My name is Royal Howell. My co-host, Terrence Hatchett. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Um, Stay tuned next week. We'll have some, um, you know, national championship game previews and probably hit into the NFL draft a little bit because there's been a bunch of blasphemy going on. with Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Don't worry. We're going to get into all the next week, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be just a short preview for today. Um, But we love you, man. Stay safe out there. Wear your mask. Get your shots, and let's take care of this COVID pandemic, man. Much love.